The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of love touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Especially today on this Martin Luther King Sunday, we are pleased and honored to bring to the Marsh Chapel pulpit the Reverend Dr. Peter J. Paris, raised in Nova Scotia, with his wife Adrian now giving counsel and guidance to four adult children and five grandchildren, a longtime faculty leader at Princeton University, a regular participant in the Marsh Chapel worshiping community, a world-renowned scholar, recipient of the Ray Hart Distinguished Service Award from the American Academy of Religion, and of an honorary doctorate from McGill University, and now the visiting Walter G. Mulder Professor of Social Ethics at Boston University School of Theology, Dr. Paris speaks God's word today under the great theme, the embodiment of goodness, the embodiment of goodness. Peter, our friend, our Canadian friend, our Princetonian friend, our friend in the Commonwealth of the Gospel, we warmly welcome you on this auspicious, sacred, and significant morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
may we pray. Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshiped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Well, beloved, the radiance of Christ's glory illumines our path when we pause long enough and well enough to admit such brightness. Some such light is in the spoken word, as in the word of resistance of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., our Boston University alumnus, who said 50 years ago, I refuse to accept the idea that the isness of man's present nature makes him morally incapable of reaching up for the oughtness that forever confronts him. I refuse to accept the cynical notion that nation after nation must spiral down a militaristic stairway into the hell of nuclear destruction. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. As the choir sings our traditional Kyrie, may we pause long enough and well enough to catch again the glimpse, the light, the brightness of Christ's glory. Let us pray. grace of God we would not be, but for the grace of God we could not love, but for the grace of God we should not speak, but by God's grace we live and love and speak. Beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A lesson from Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. 
All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is meant not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Should I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that whoever is united to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For it is said, the two shall be one flesh. But anyone united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun fornication. Every sin that a person commits is outside the body, but the fornicator sins against the body itself. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from, from God, and that you are not your own? For you were brought, bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The piece we are about to sing, the hymn to the eternal flame, is accepted, excerpted from a larger work called To Be Certain of the Dawn. To Be Certain of the Dawn was originally commissioned by the Basilica of St. Mary in Minneapolis as a gift to the Jewish community to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the freeing of Holocaust survivors and to help teach an important lesson. That lesson, the prevention of future genocide is in the hands of today's children. The composer, Stephen Paulus, died this past autumn in 2014 and the musical community mourns his untimely passing. We offer this chorale, this excerpt, Hymn to the Eternal Flame, in the composer's memory and in honor of the message of his music and the hope, that enduring hope, that that message embraces.
Please join me in praying responsively verses from Psalm 139 with the antiphon. have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them as yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. And now, beloved, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Deo and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Many of you will remember the stories about Jesus calling the 12 disciples to follow him. As reported in this morning's Gospel reading, Philip was so impressed with meeting Jesus and being asked to join his movement that he did what any one of us would have done. In a very excited manner, he passed the word along to another, namely Nathaniel, saying, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets spoke, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathanael was not immediately impressed, but responded skeptically, saying, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was a prejudiced statement, because the answer is implied in the question. Philip seemingly ignored the question and simply responded by saying, Come and see clearly implying that after meeting Jesus, he would change his mind. And accordingly, that is what happened. Soon after meeting Jesus, Nathaniel confessed that he was indeed the Son of God, the King of Israel. Meeting the man himself 
had purged him of all his prejudices. Now we can rightly assume that many asked a similar question when they first heard about Martin Luther King Jr., who came out of the racially segregated ghetto in Atlanta, known by its residents as Sweet Auburn. Can anything good come out of Sweet Auburn? Or more generally, can anything good come out of America's black ghettos? The most convincing response is come and see. I first met Martin Luther King Jr. in 1959 in Athens, Ohio, at the founding meeting of the National Christian Student Federation of North America. He was then only 30 years old and already known internationally for the successful leadership he gave in the Montgomery bus boycott. In retrospect, that conference became a launching pad for students as they entered the decade-long struggles for racial transformation in the churches, in the universities, and in the military-industrial complex, symbolized then by the war in Vietnam. It was a tumultuous period, to say the least. Nevertheless, I was happy to be part of a generation where most of us seemed to view ourselves as agents of social change. Many asked the question then, can anything good come out of a coalition of Christian and secular students allied with the civil rights struggles of black Americans, guided by the inspiration of Martin Luther King Jr., the spiritual music of ancestral African slaves, and the theme song of uncertain origins we shall overcome. The only answer then and now was come and see. And tens of thousands of whites and blacks and others came to see Dr. King and their lives were changed thereafter. Clearly, the good in history, however, is always ambiguous. What is good for some is not good for all. The legal, social, and political progress of the civil rights movement 50 years ago was good for the growth of the black middle class, but not good for those millions of blacks who were left behind to stagnate in the isolated cauldrons in the inner cities of America. There they are identified collectively as social pariahs. They comprise disproportionate numbers of the homeless and the jobless. 
drug addicts and drug dealers, armed criminal gangs who kill and abuse one another as a way of life. Many rightly view our inner cities as war zones where no one trusts anyone and very limited resources are made available to heal the social and psychological pathologies that flourish in that environment. Tragically, both the residents and the law enforcement officers view each other as irreconcilable enemies. That mutual disrespect has led to widespread killings of unarmed blacks by the police, which in turn has given rise to a new social protest movement, inspired this time by such tragic symbols of defeat, such as hands up, don't shoot, I can't breathe, and such novel practices as die-ins. The names and images of Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, Tamir Rice, and Akai Gurley have become the embodied symbols of this movement's protests against the police. And the NAACP Legal Defense Fund's Twitter lists 76 unarmed blacks who were killed by the police between 1999 and 2014. That list, incidentally, includes nine black women. Hopefully such names as Sharice Francis of New York, and Chanel, Chantel Davis of Brooklyn, Ayana Jones of Detroit, Tarika Wilson of Lima, Ohio, Miriam Carey of Washington, D.C., and more will gain public visibility alongside their brothers. Let me hasten to say, however, that numerous moral issues attend these cases of alleged police violence that cry out for public redress. Needless to say, perhaps, much needs to be done to transfer or to transform an assumed war zone into a civil space of mutual respect and trust between police and citizens. In my judgment, that can only be done by the complete eradication of poverty from our inner cities and cleansing those urban spaces from the stigma. Ending poverty was one of the unmet goals Martin Luther King Jr. set for his first march on Washington in 1963 and was also a goal for the march that he was intending before his assassination. Long before Martin Luther King Jr. was called to lead the Montgomery bus boycott 
1955, blacks had viewed racial discrimination and segregation as a moral, social, legal, economic, political, and spiritual problem that required a comprehensive approach for its complete resolution. And thus the combined force of the, mor of the moral insight, academic knowledge, theological wisdom, and rhetorical skill combined to convince many that the depth and breadth of the problem constituted a malignancy that would surely destroy the nation itself if it were left unchecked. The residue of that same problem remains deeply embedded in this nation's cultural fabric, and it's wholly confirmed by the experiences of all African Americans, regardless of our wealth, our power, or our social standing. We all know that we are perceived as actual or potential threats to white America's psychological ethos that forces it into a permanent posture of self-defense. Now truly, good actions need to be interpreted so as to reveal their moral, political, and spiritual significance. That is what Dr. King did so well and why his words have become such an enduring global treasure. Injustice anywhere, he said, is a threat to justice everywhere. Our present situation longs for a similar interpreter and those who claim that we have no need of such are grossly mistaken. Clearly the cause of our present problems is the same as those that Dr. King and others confronted. Alas, effective cures have not been found for every malignancy, whether biological or social or political. Clearly, all who shun the spiritual dimension of the struggle for racial justice fail to understand the depth of the problem we face. It is a problem deeply rooted in our nation's spirit, one that laws alone cannot solve, that days of service alone cannot correct, that protests alone cannot cure, that education alone cannot heal, that incarceration alone cannot repair, that jobs alone cannot resolve, that wars or drugs alone cannot eradicate. As with every spiritual problem, the answer lies in bringing the human spirit into conformity 
with the Spirit of God, who alone is able to usher in a new world order, one shaped by the universal principles of love and justice, the embodiment of which constitutes what is truly good. And those who have seen its embodiment must do what Philip told Nathaniel to do, come and see. Such a prophet is greatly needed in our day. Martin Luther King Jr. embodied that goodness 50 years ago. Let us pray for the coming of a new embodiment of that much needed goodness in our day. And may God bless you, each of you, in that process. As we sing the song, We Shall Overcome, the song of uncertain origins that became the theme song of the movement, I invite you to link your arms together as we used to do in those days and reach across the aisle in doing so as we sing the song now.
Dear friends, as we turn our hearts and minds to prayer this morning, I invite you to maintain an attitude and posture of prayer according to tradition, standing, kneeling, seated, or here at the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord. It is hard to imagine in what words we might pray this morning other than those of Dr. King himself. Let us pray. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, out of whose mind this great cosmic universe has been created, toward whom the weary and perplexed of all generations turn for consolation and direction. We come before your presence this morning, thanking you for the many blessings of life. We come recognizing our dependence on you. We also come, O oh God, with an awareness the fact that we have not always given our lives to that which is high and noble. In the midst of all of the high and noble aspects of justice, we followed injustice. We stand amid the forces of truth, and yet we deliberately lie. We stand amid the compelling urgency of the Lord of love, as exemplified in the life of Jesus Christ. And yet we live our lives so often in the dungeons of hate. For all of these sins, O oh God, forgive. And in these days of emotional tension, when the problems of the world are gigantic in extent and chaotic in detail, give us penetrating vision, broad understanding, power of endurance, and abiding faith. And save us from the paralysis of crippling fear. And, O oh God, we ask you to help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world and for a brotherhood 
that transcends race or color. All of these things we ask in the name of him who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. peace of God be always with you. We'd like to take this time to welcome you again to Marsh Chapel, especially welcome back all of our students and our international students who have flown back to the cold winds of Boston to join us for the spring semester. We look forward to greeting you downstairs after the service. Marsh Chapel is a sanctuary amongst a city, a place of peace in times of chaos and stress, we hope that you find a spiritual home here, no matter where you are on your faith journey. We would love to get to know you better and help you get to know one another better. And a great way of doing that is by filling out your name and contact information on the red books towards the center aisle of each pew. So please pass those along. Marsh Chapel is a living, breathing chapel with many exciting announcements. And I'd like to highlight a few of them for you here. Directly following the service will be refreshments downstairs. It's a great time for coffee and fellowship. You are all so welcome to join us. There are many Martin Luther King Jr. Day events tomorrow, which you are all welcome to attend. There's an opportunity to provide community service through a project through the CSC. You can find more information about that at bu.edu slash CSC. Also, there's a commemorative event featuring music from BU alums, Sons of Serendip, and guest speakers in the George Sherman Union at 2 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Please feel free to join. You will also have received on your way in, or perhaps on your way out, a Spring 2015 Marsh Chapel term book. Um, please take a few mo moments to peruse the exciting events and worship opportunities we have coming up this semester. You might flip through with a pen and circle one, two, or 10 or 20 things that you want to come to this semester. We would love to see you. Next Sunday starts our evening Sunday services again, Vesper service at 6.30 p.m. 
And coming up soon in a couple weeks will be our book study for the spring semester, which will be featuring Howard Thurman's Jesus and the Disinherited. If you would like to join this book study or attain a book, please see Reverend Jen Quigley after the service. I want to also extend a heartfelt thank you to Dr. Paris for joining us and sharing such a strong word today. Um, as a Princetonian myself, I've had the privilege of knowing you as professor and preacher, and I'm so grateful. Thank you. Other events can be found on our website at bu.edu chapel, where there's also an opportunity for online giving. Now, as we beckon our ushers forward, let us be reminded that it is a gift for us to be a giver. Whether you're at home listening on the radio or joining us in beloved community here in this sacred space, you have an opportunity now to practice the ancient Christian discipline of giving. As the choir lifts us up in song, may you find yourself being as generous as you are able.
for the spirit about us, for the life within us, for the work before us, for thy love that surrounds us, we give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. Amen. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen. <laughs>